Welcome to Season 5 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I'm your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect practicing in Massachusetts. My passion is old houses, new technologies, and sustainability. Previous seasons of this podcast have featured many vendors, subcontractors, architects, designers, covering many aspects of renovations and hiring professionals to help. In this season, I'll be focusing on collecting even more renovation stories because we can all learn from each other and I just can't resist talking to people about their houses. This week, I revisited the first renovation story that I published back in 2021. I first encountered Kim of Bloomfield Farms on TikTok and then later on Instagram in 2020. And her project has progressed a lot since our conversation two and a half years ago. I'll put her links in the show notes and definitely go check out her project, which is a labor of love. I edited the podcast again. So if you're interested in a longer version, go back and listen to episode 35. We talked about taking on a distressed property, getting the project done without a general contractor, and the importance of stabilization. Here's my conversation with Kim. I grew up in Arlington, Virginia, which is about an hour from here. I'd never been to this part of Virginia before, but in high school, I had a best guy friend who ended up buying a place very close to here. And he had it for numerous years. And I brought my daughter back to go to camp in Virginia. And one year I stopped by his farm and I was like, oh my God, I love this place. And we'd always talked when we were younger that when we were old, we would buy adjoining farms and grow old together. And it's just one of those packs. And he happened to see this place come up for auction. And it was quite expensive and way too rich for my blood. And he told me about it. And I was like, oh gosh, I can't, can't afford that. But I do want a place to keep your eyes and ears to the ground. And I'd kind of told everybody, I want to move back to Virginia. I'd grown up on a farm in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I'd always sworn I'd buy that place, but then the National Park Service got a hold of it and it's now a stop for the Civil War. Wow. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so I just wanted to move back to the East Coast and put my feelers down and John found this house that was going for auction and it was with 108 acres and it had been in the same family for over 100 years and before that since it's built. So it only had two owners prior to us. So he saw that it was coming up for auction and I said, I can't afford that, John. And he said, well, you know, and it was, I think the beginning bid was like 550,000 or something like that. And uh, he said, well, I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to go to the auction. I said, okay, you go go to that auction. So when he did the end of the auction, it was down to a woman from Washington DC who was like on her phone with her person, apparently like, you know, doing her bids, you know, talking, bidding. And then it was a cattle farmer who was pretty, big around here and he needed more land and the cattle farmer won and John walked up to him. My friend walked up to him at the end of the auction and said, Hey, what are you going to do with that house? And he said, I don't know what I'm going to do with that house. You know, he did not buy this for the house at all. He was in it for the land. Yeah. He wanted it for the land and where the house sits is kind of swampy. So John said, well, I have a friend who would probably want to buy this house. You know, would you sell it? He said, sure. I'd sell it. Making a long story short, um, we got it for the price that I could afford and we got six acres with it. And it was oh. it took about six months to subdivide off. And um, now he's my neighbor <laughs> and uh, he doesn't have a house there. He just wanted the land. Hmm. So Yeah. So that's how we got the farm. Yeah. Or what I call a farm. We got under contract February of 2018. So November of 2017 was the first time I ever walked through the house. Hmm. 
it was right before the auction and I just fell in love. I mean, we pulled up and I fell in love and, you know, the floors were all collapsed and it was, you know, definite sign of many, many animals had died in here over the years. And it actually looked like it had been abandoned forever, but it, it hadn't come to find out. But um, so I just said, yes, I, I want it. And I talked to the agent that the guy who won the auction, he brought in an agent. And so we decided that, um, we decided on a price, which was pretty inexpensive. And because the guy was really, they thought around here that he was just going to tear the house down. They were worried that mm. it was just going to be, you know, here on a Saturday, gone on a Sunday. And, or just let it continue to rot, which he probably would have because he just really had no interest in the house at all. So we went under contract finally in February. And then I think we closed May of 2018. So the house was built in, in stages. So the house, the main part of the house was built in 1770 around there. Mm. And then or sometime around the 1800s, the section I'm sitting in right now, but this, the section was put in and it's a, a dining room with a bedroom above. And then around 1890, judging by all the nails and all the Victorian wear in there, the kitchen and a servant's quarters was put above. So there's a little staircase that goes from the kitchen upstairs, one of those little twisty, narrow Mm. staircases that goes up. And that part of the house is literally falling off the house. And in fact, when we got back from being gone a month over Christmas, we found evidence of lots of critters have moved back into the house. That section of the house is we're trying to save it. So the guy that's here today is here to help us re-fix the foundation of that part. And Mm. my husband and I are DIYers. This is like our... I don't know, our second or third property that we've done. And we enlist people as we go, but I work as a general contractor and coordinate everything. Because I flipped my, not flipped, but I did, redid my first house at 23 in New York. Hmm. Uh, so it's just what I love. It's just like, it's like I pick up stray animals and stray houses. <laughs> you already done a couple of these renovations, right? So you know what you were getting into. In a small scale, small scale and more, you know, things from the 1940s up, you know, Um, Mm. so nothing like this. This was fascinating. We had, I mean, I would just have, I didn't even know how to eat this elephant. I mean, it was, (laughs) and getting, and believe it or not, we're an hour from DC, but getting contractors, my contractor that's here helping me right now is from Maryland. He drives an hour to get here. And so Mm. trying to find good craftsmen that are available here, you, it's almost impossible. I mean, you have to wait five, six months and then they kind of dole out their time to you as they go. And I mean, you know, not to get all juju and weirdy, but I think this house picks who works on her. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, they, we had many contractors parade through here and I would get this ping in my stomach and just know that they weren't the right ones and maybe a little off topic, you know, a lot of them didn't want to work with a woman. I feel like that first walk through with a contractor, like that's when you're dating really. And and they should put their best foot forward at that point. And if they're not, it's not going to get better. And they're not going to come around somehow. They're going to be probably more of what they already are as you take them through, you know? So. Yeah. You and I could probably be coaches for those guys because I want to tell them when they leave, you need to know your audience. Don't. Yeah blow it on the interview, (laughs) you know, don't try to be all puffery and act like, you know, because somebody that lives in a house that's 250 years old and we would stay here, you know, amongst the vermin and, 
you know, the filth and the, you know, and we fixed one room really quickly and that's where we lived and we would come back and forth. And um, I have a flexible lifestyle because I'm a realtor. Mm. So I was able to, you know, my down months come here and work, not months, but weeks, you know, Um, but contractor would come in and, oh yeah, you know, you need, you need insulation in these walls. Um, You got to tear out all this plaster and start over again, or you need to build false walls on top of the plaster walls. And, but like, I was thinking like over my dead body, are you tearing out anything original in this house? And that's when I quickly learned we were doing a restoration. We weren't doing a renovation. And I didn't quite know the difference then, but then the more I realized like people would go, well, we need to pull these boards up here. They're all burnt. And I'm like, no, don't touch those boards. Those are, those are tongue and groove. And those were done 250 years ago. Don't touch them. They're beautiful. So you have to find, and I never found my contractor. So I just decided that, you know, the guy that was going to oversee it all, my husband lets me drive the boat on this because it is my passion project. And they would talk to him and not me. You need to talk to Kim. She just asked you that question three times, address her and they still address him. Right. that's, That's it. They're out. Yeah. 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 And I tried, you know, I realized that it was kind of the way of the world here a little bit in this neck of the woods. And so I was trying to be a little bit more open, but then once I finally realized that this wasn't a gift, once I realized I'd put in two years of sweat equity here already, I I just took full ownership and it was like off with your head. Contractors come in and I'm like, no, we don't need to talk anymore. And my husband, like, Ugh, you know, she's she's going after them. Kim's got bulldog on, and I sure <laughs> would just be like, no, we don't need to talk anymore. You're not talking my language. But thank you for coming. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that's important. I think I don't know if because I've only ever been a woman, so I don't know if it would be different if I were a man, right? But I feel like there are some things like we're less confident or we don't want to have the confidence or seem like we're bulldog or whatever, and so we've kind of conditioned to act a certain way, but. I feel like after you get to be a certain age, I just don't care anymore. And I, I'm just willing to say like, this isn't going to work out. So yeah, but thanks for coming. Yeah. And it's being able to own that. Yeah. Because, you know, I get questioned a lot. Are you sure you want to do that? And a lot of it is just an artistic vision rather than a literal, like who, who do you know has redone a 1700s house? Like not a lot of people do this. So when you live in an area, maybe Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, it's different, but in Virginia, I mean, we're probably one of the oldest houses, you know, mm-hmm. around. I know we are in Clark County. We're the, I think we're the oldest house in Clark County, if not the yeah. second oldest. So you don't have a lot of people that have gone before you, yet they act like it. They've, yeah, they've yeah. oh, I've done this and I've done that. So you do question yourself just even as a human being, let alone a woman. Mm-hmm. You just go, well, oh gosh, well, maybe you do know more. And that's what I mean. The more I lived here and the more that I touched every crevice of this house. I mean, taking tools and getting out from between the floorboards, all the dirt, you know, in every room. And the house isn't that big. It's um, just four bedrooms and three weird living rooms. One of them will be a dining room Um, and then a center hall. But still, when you go around and you become very intimate with your house, you start to know what's good for it and what's bad for it. And Mm -hmm. you can judge those people right away. And we've been really blessed. The craftsmen that have come through here, have been phenomenal. Our plasterer, he saved this house. He saved this house. And he is the most kind, gentle man. And he works with his son. And I don't know what I would have done without JT. I mean, just even his energy brings his little pack lunch and he sits on the front porch mm. and he goes back to work. And um, 
he's just kind, just kind. And just about everybody that's put their hands on her, Bloomfield, um, has been an amazing craftsman. So that's why I feel like she has really either through me or maybe it's me. I don't know. But the only people that have actually worked on her have been beautiful human beings. The energy in this house is um, there's just something here feeling wise. So it's an overall house feeling like she kind of hugs you when you walk in and everybody kind of feels it when they walk in. They're like, oh, oh my God. And it's not because it's opulent or there's these amazing carvings. It's not like a Victorian house where everywhere you look is yummy. Mm-hmm. This is pretty a plain house with some nice woodwork and good old floors. But people walk in that that and they just are overwhelmed by some something here. Yeah, something. I yeah. totally feel that in houses, and that's one reason I love houses is because of that. So we bought the house in May, and I had a month free. I drove cross country with my dogs and my husband and he left me here and flew back and I stayed here in this house a month. And there was a woman who had known all of these houses around here that are the older houses. And she had a published book and it included Bloomfield in it. So I looked her up and she's in town. She's a architecture uh, historian and she, you know, is just, I guess she's mid fifties and we just hit it off right away. And she's like, do you want to come to the office? And I, I dug up some stuff on Bloomfield. Do you want to see it? And I'm like, sure. So I go down there. I'm all excited. And I meet her and she's giving me papers and things that she had found on the history of the house. And then she said, would you like to see pictures of it from last year? And I was like, yes. And she pulls out these pictures and I literally was just got sick to my stomach The house had been a hoarder house and I didn't know that. And she was here mid clean and it was pretty cleaned out from what everyone around here now is telling me, but it was, I can't even describe, I have those pictures and I post them sometimes and it it made sense from the smell, the house, the whole house smelled, every room smelled. Um, I just looked at those pictures and I, I must've gotten white. And I literally just said, could I get a copy of these? And she's like, sure. And I could not wait to get out of there. And as I was driving home, this storm was brewing in. And I was like, I can't stay another minute in that house. Not only was the house probably a hoarder house for 30 years, at least, the amount of animals that had died in here and then the chemicals I could see in the pictures that people were using to clean this house out. I was Mm -hmm. like, what have I done? Like, why? I'm, I'm an idiot. Why am I doing this? I need to get rid of this house. I I didn't want to get rid of the house, but I needed to get out of there. I came home, packed all my stuff. The storm is blowing in. I mean, it was just like the the things of a movie, you know, and I'm stuffing my dogs in the car and we drive off to a La Quinta that could have allowed me to have my dogs with me. And that's where I stayed the rest of my trip as I'd come back every day and clean the house. But I did not know it was a hoarding house. And, um, come to find out from the neighbors who, you know, one of my neighbors, she's so sweet, but she is like, she's probably 5'11". And she said that Frank, the man that inherited the house, and he actually lived here until December of 2016. Mm. And she said, when you walked in the door, you had to step up and he would only let you in the front door a few feet, but mm. you had to step up and it was about a foot and a half off the floor. And then the boxes, you couldn't, she couldn't even see over the boxes. And there was like pathways So she also said that when they cleaned the house out, basically they made a deal with, after Frank died, his wife made a deal with a guy that said, I'll keep whatever I find that's still salvageable, but I'll clean this house out. And he brought in five or six tractor trailer size dumpsters Mm. and put them out back 
and was just throwing everything out the window. And then they said that took about four months to do. And tractor trailers were pulling in and out of here. So I had no idea. And so some of the things that were on the floor, like outlines, were where like cats had died. And it was literally the imprint of a cat. And then areas where raccoons had literally died and decomposed and the floors were completely rotted out in those places. And I look back on those pictures and I'm like, I scare myself. I don't know whether it's because now I'm almost 55 and I was 51, you know, and I don't know if that makes a big difference, but, and I had more chutzpah, but I look back on those pictures and I know that this is my last restoration, knockwood, um, because they scare me. I look back on the pictures that I took when I first got here. I'm like, oh my God, how did I ever think I could do that? Yeah. There's no way. And, but I, there was no question about doing it. Mm. it just is when you walk in the front door to a house that is going to be yours and you don't know it yet, you don't see any of the imperfections. You see everything as opportunity and you see it perfect. And I think you have to be willing to live and breathe it. Uh, Your paychecks have to go to it, to your project. Uh, You have to make many sacrifices along the way and you have to be willing to do that. You know, there there won't be new cars, (laughs) there won't be new clothes. And you have to be ready to have as many setbacks as, as forward movement. I think I've cried as much as I've laughed. And mm-hmm. I've done both daily. I cry in this house every single day because <laughs> there's always something that I think we're going to be able to do. And I realize there's about 30 steps that have to be taken to get to that end game. So it's just be willing to live and breathe it. You can't take on a project like this if, you are, if you're not loaded. Um, and you can't hire a general contractor that's going to market up 20% and it's going to end up costing 20% more than he bid. So you're going to look at 40% over the cost that you think is on this piece of paper because they're going to, it's like a hem. You pick the hem and pull that string and next thing you know, the whole skirts come undone and that's what happens in old houses. And you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing it's all, it looks great on TikTok and glamorous and everything, but you know, and there's always more to do. This is my favorite piece of advice that I heard and it has nothing to do with renovating, but I heard it and I now take it into renovation. A true artist knows when to stop painting. Right. So you can destroy it by keeping on and painting, you know, and you have to be the one to say when you're done. And there are things in this house that I have just embraced, for instance, the mouse holes, you know, or some of the mantles, I'm afraid I will hurt them if I strip the paint off of them at this time right now today. So I'm going to leave them and let them be chippy. Um, I've done the rooms, I've secured everything. So there's that kind of more more cerebral, more um, how do you get your brain in the right place? And then the other part is, the more physical part, if you are going to tackle a house, you have got to get rid of the water in the house, under the house, around the house, the rain, whatever, because water will destroy every house. So the first thing you have to do is roof and foundation. And you've got to be realistic about what that's going to cost and what that's going to take and get as many people through that are experts on it that can tell you what needs to get done and don't stop at one bid (laughs) stop at 20 if you can't do it yourself. But yeah, that's the biggest thing. I don't think people understand they go and they go, Oh, I can just paint this. I can just do 
you know, we can do the carpentry, we can do this part, but they forget all about the found the structure, the foundation and the water penetration in the roof and around right. the house. Yeah. That is really stabilizing at first. Yeah. The first and thing we did was we, we had roof estimates that came in like 40, 45,000 for a new metal roof. And then we realized that it was just the seams that were leaking. And so we, we goobered the seams and then painted the roof with, with um, roofing paint. And then I put on gutters right away. It was just, there was no question. It was like the paycheck went from my hand right to the gutter guy. And um, we put on gutters and then my husband has been a saint and just working on the foundation the whole time, you know, tons of termite damage, stuff like that, but that's on the side, but that, that saves the house. And you can, then you can have it for years. You just keep fixing away, but that, that getting the water out of the house and away from the house is number one. That's very good advice. Yeah, because have you ever read the book or listened to the book, The World Without Us, about what would happen to the earth if oh. if humans just went away? Not the earth, but what would happen to the structures and everything? And it's this description about the plants, the water, just destroying our built environment because it can really quickly. You know, it doesn't wouldn't take long for the water to um, penetrate. And then that opens the wall i guess for the plants and other and rodents and other animals to just come in and inhabit the house and it it's yeah so you need to you do need to stabilize it um keep the animals out get the water out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. stir it up i kept saying we just need to stir up this house we just need to because when we were in the process of buying it you know there was a six month lag time from the time that i saw it to the time we actually closed and we came and actually worked on the house i asked the agent can you please ask the seller if i can get a key and he's like why and i I had begged him a bunch of times to come shut the windows over the winter. I was like, please, can you just shut the windows? Because a lot of the windows were missing and they mm. weren't boarded up. And um, I said, can we just board them up? Because the, uh, and they wouldn't. So we flew out here and boarded them up. Mm. And we actually, every single window, Catherine, this is maybe too juju-y for the <laughs> podcast, but this house, everything we touch goes right into place. Like they're all the windows were in the attic. So we just put them back in their sashes and there they went. Why were they in the attic? I don't know. I don't know whether when they did the hoard, when they cleaned out the hoard, they just decided it would be easier just to pull off all the windows. Oh, that might be. And pull stuff out. And then they never replaced them. So it, this house spent a winter of snow on the floors. Like you can see from the pictures from when I was in here in November to when we finally took possession of the house, like the floors were exponentially sped up ruined mm. you know um the the paint on some of the mantles was just it was fine the november and then because the windows and the rain and the snow all came in in just a matter of six months were minutes away from being completely destroyed and so it was just it, it, water is everything water will destroy especially a stone house with plaster yeah you know you got yeah. all that mortar and it is an incredible house. So how can people follow your journey? You're obviously on TikTok. You're on Instagram. You have a mm-hmm. Facebook group. I changed it to Bloomfield Farm Restoration on Instagram, but it's Bloomfield Farm Fans on Facebook. And then uh, it's bloomfieldfarm.net is my um, blog, right? It's just stories I've written. I appreciate you making it a public story because then... The rest of us can appreciate it too. All your hard work that you're doing over there. Are you, are you going to be having it as a uh, bed and breakfast? Is that, 
your goal eventually? I don't feel like this house is ours. I feel like this is a treasure and we are just custodians to make her live another 250 years, let's hope. So I feel a great need to share this house with people. And plus, if you read in the diary, there are always 10, 15 people coming through here at all times. Like the house is just, when we had people here for Thanksgiving, we had our children all here and the house was just alive. It was like, oh, like, you know, you could just, it was wonderful to hear people in all corners of this house. So the house is intended to be filled with people. I don't know. I'm being told by the house. That's what she wants. She wants people in it. And it was so apparent. Like it was, it was, there's no possession by me. Like normally like in, we've had, we had another fixer upper where it was an Airbnb and I felt very possessive. You know, I, I didn't, cause I did, I didn't intend that house to be an Airbnb, but in this house, I just feel like, oh my God, please come, please enjoy, you know, just enjoy because there's no, it's never going to be perfect. It's not going to be walking into, you know, some beautifully restored home. And that's, you know, I was trying to, like the Selma mansion is close to here. And there's another big mansion in Virginia that was just redone. And they bought their house at the same time we did. <laughs> and they are well done. And, you know, this house isn't that. It's you come and be who you want to be. Bring your book, lounge around, relax, go walk the field, you know, just go sit by the spring house. And just a place where people can just come and not be so wound up by the world. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I wouldn't be able to do this without you, the listener. I invite you to join me on Instagram at Talking Home Renovations, where we are building up a friendly community. Other ways to get in touch are in the show notes, including the weekly newsletter that includes photos from the episodes. It's kind of worth signing up for that. Talking Home Renovations with Alice Maven is proud to be a member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. If you're into architecture, check out what the network has to offer at gablemedia.com. That is G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Until next time, take it easy.